Hello, my fine friends. Thank you for choosing my podcast to listen to. We're powered by ACAS Plus. You can join uh, ACAS Plus if you want to get lots of bonuses. Google Rahalastapa and ACAS Plus and you'll get right there. There's lots of fun stuff to get. Um, Rahalastapa tour is nearly over. 21st of March, I'm at Bedford Corn Exchange. I'm talking to Olaf Falafel, who's a very funny children's author and stand-up comedian, and Al Murray, the pub landlord and historian man. And a friend of mine, uh, it should be fantastic, who went to Bedford, went to school in Bedford. It should be amazing. There's plenty of tickets left for that one. Uh, Glasgow on the 27th and Hull on the 28th. They're both sold out, but do keep checking the sites for returns. And uh, occasionally we put some comps back on sale, so there may be a chance to buy tickets. The main thing, though, is that I am going to be on tour doing stand-up, and I would love you to come. Uh, it's uh, from... It starts officially in May, but so uh, there's a few tryouts in April and March. So I'm at the Bill Murray. I'm at um, various places, Luton Hat Factory and uh, the Berry Hedge End. I don't even know where that is before going into a big tour where I'm going all over the place. It's selling in various degrees. Glasgow sold out. They've added an extra date. Uh, Chorley sold out, joined the waiting list. Uh, but a lot of the others have plenty of tickets. So... Do go and come to see that. richardherring.com slash ballback slash tour for all those tour dates. richardherring.com slash Rahalastapa for the remaining Rahalastapa dates. And uh, yeah, and then I'm going to take a little break from doing Rahalastapas. It'll be nice. We've got loads in the bank. Uh, so I hope you're enjoying them. I think there's some very high quality ones from this tour. Uh, so do keep listening. Do keep telling your friends. richardherring.com for all your Richard Herring needs. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy another Rahalastapa. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Please welcome a man who turned 48 yesterday and drank more than a 48-year-old man should, as you will discover when you see him trying to speak. It's Richard Herring! Thank you! Oh, yeah! I'm still young. Welcome to the show. Uh, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. This is Richard Herring's Leicester Square Theatre podcast. But some recently I've noticed some kids uh, on the street, like some kids skateboarding out on the street. So when they're listening to it, they're like, oh, they start calling Rahalastapa, which oh, a lot of people have picked that up from the kids. That's what the kids on the street are calling it. Uh, so uh, yeah, it's my birthday yesterday. Uh, I turned 48 years old, which I, I was sort of thinking. Uh, 
you know, I've been 12 four times, which I thought, that's, that's all right. Then my brother said, you've been 16 three times. And I found that really depressing for some reason. <laughs> I'm now entering my fourth go at being 16. That's about as far as I've ever managed to get up to 16. It's 48, it's, it's sort of depressingly old. Uh, so uh, I've got nothing more to say uh, than that except I wish I was 40 again I did a show called Oh oh, Fuck I'm 40 which you can see if you come along to the Les Square Theatre at some point in uh, August Uh, but uh, 48 fucking hell there's no there's no way back that's the that's the terrible thing whatever Matthew Perry tells you in that film (laughs) quite an obscure reference well done so uh and I've been in Amsterdam uh, all week with my family. It's been lovely to go away with my family, my daughter and my wife. Uh, though uh, we were... We didn't go to the red light district. I've never been to the red light district. We went to the Van Gogh Museum. Uh, Van Gogh, of course, he, uh, he was... Uh, he, he thought the best way to get a woman to, he, he fancied to fancy him back. His idea was to cut off one of his ears and send that to her in the post. Now, most women will prefer flowers or chocolates or a homemade spice rack, but... For one in a thousand women, the surprise severed ear arriving by mail is the key to their knickers. They're going to open that up, go, I can't believe it, I've always wanted one of those. I'm definitely going to shag whoever sent me this. He shouldn't be difficult to find. <laughs> do be careful though, fellas, it's really a technique you can only use twice, so do use it sparingly. <laughs> to be honest, you're going to use it once, because the second time you do it, the woman's going to go, you've done this before, haven't you? This is, this is your regular chat-up line. Not falling for that, like that other ear slag. So, uh, that's one of the jokes I did in Amsterdam. That's, from, that's an old uh, joke of mine. I was staying in, we were staying in a flat. It was a beautiful flat, but I was, it was the first time I've been away with my tiny daughter. And the staircases in Amsterdam are ridiculous. I mean, I think, you know, Anne Frank stayed hidden for so long just because the Nazis thought, well, that's they're not going up those stairs. <laughs> I genuinely do think that is true. The stairs... Instead of this, I would try to get my suitcase up these stairs, and I got it was there were seventy steps, and they were like that. It was basically a ladder, just with the bits filled in, and I got, and then it curves at the top, and I got, and I, I hurt my back already, and I got to about step fifty-eight, it started to curve, and then I realised I couldn't lift my suitcase, and I was sort of just lying on the stairs, thinking I'm going to die or I'm going to drop my suitcase and kill my wife. It's nice, but on the last day, the day for my birthday, as I walked to the gig. Uh, this massive procession of uh, people in horse-drawn carriages from all the ages, dressed in old costume, old-style costumes, went by. And I don't know what, why they were doing it. There were hun- like, literally like at least 100 horse-drawn carriages. And I like to think it was for me in celebration, <laughs> celebration of my birthday. So don't tell me if it wasn't. If it was some, probably if it's Amsterdam, some racist thing. There's probably at the end, there's a men black duck. Oh, no, it's not racist, it's the Dutch tradition. They've generally got something, it's called Black David or Black Peter or something. Black Peter. Not as good as Blue Peter. Anyway, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, my first guest this week, and only guest, of course, this week, because it is this week. I hope I'm not still hungover next week. That's how much I drink. Uh, she is probably best known. You'll have seen her, and this is why you are here, because she was on... The new, all new celebrity squares. That is what we, that's what we, we're most interested in talking to you about. Will you please welcome Bridget Christie, ladies and gentlemen. Bridget, Bridget Christie. Please sit down. Hello. I forgot I did that. I forgot I did that. You forgot you did it. I forgot I did it. Oh, I didn't see you. I did see one. I haven't the, seen it. 
I saw one of them the other day. I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was quite good, fun, postmodern nonsense. Was it postmodern? Well, because it's kind of like cause they, you're too young. I don't to think remember. they're trying to be. No, well, they are, but they are, oh, can right. be accidentally postmodern. <laughs> I remember original <laughs> Celebrity Squares from the seventies when you would you be too young to remember that. I shouldn't and, think so. And uh, it was you know that was all the old celebrities, Roy Rudd, Helen Emu, and all. they had jumpers on and stuff, didn't yeah. they? No, and I do so remember that. Now to see it with people like Sarah Pascoe. I think it's quite amusing them pretending to read out the answers. Well, you were on it. Do you not remember anything about that? Uh, I remember getting there yeah. and uh, leaving and right. having a laugh with um, Stuart Francis oh, yes. and Reese Shearsmith. Actually, it was quite funny because um, Warren, is that the host? Warwick. Warwick, yeah. yeah. Um, he actually, he lives in a Warren. That is why you, that's why you've got confused. And then he said, what is the worst heckle? <laughs> what, what, you know, someone shouts out, oh, you know, you're shit. You know, what do you say? Just like, I was sat really high up. Because like, I, was, I was up on all this scaffolding. Yeah. Next to Andy Peters. It was just, it wasn't really a conversation I... As I said, well, it depends what they say, and then I'll think about what they say, and then, I don't know, it's just always different. I don't think that was the answer. <laughs> I think he was expecting me to say, <laughs> you know, something like, oh, be quiet, mum, <laughs> or something like that, but I, yeah. So I can't remember, I, actually, I can remember quite a lot about I can't it. Remember, about it. <laughs> remember every second. <laughs> no. Well, we're not really here to perhaps hit. I'd like to talk about celebrity squares a bit more. But we'll talk about some other stuff. I've been reading your book. A oh, book for great. her, I Am a Man, but I still read it. It's not a joke about men, that okay. the title. It's about gendered products. Okay. <sighs> I've read it and I've learned nothing. <laughs> On my copy, I just wrote Ring After the Her and I'm allowed to read it. It's a slow burn for people who can stop. So, um, Michael McIntyre was the first person of the industry to, to say, no, to, say oh. to me, do you know your name could be Dick Herring? And I never... That he, he didn't achieve such success as he did with the man-draw material as he did with that. But it made me laugh, because I thought I'd heard every joke about my own name and thought of every rude joke about my own name. Oh. But I'd never thought Did you thought feel that. disappointed? Or? I felt excited. <laughs> felt excited and aroused. Uh, but it's a, it's, uh, it's a really brilliant book. Thank you. Uh, really good. And it's, um, but uh, it sort of gives false hope to all comedians out there. <clears throat> because it takes you from, you know, it takes us through your journey as a comedian. In sort of ten years of working very hard. Twelve. Why does it give them well, false no, I'd, hope? I'd say, I'd say ten works of working well, hard. Oh, yeah. and, uh, <laughs> Actually, no, probably about three. <laughs> because it, show, it, show, it makes you think that it's possible to become a very successful, award-winning comedian after all that work, because you've done it. So it gives false hope to all the other comedians who will do that and then won't become award-winning, successful comedians. <laughs> Well, My book gives them the correct idea. I worked for 25 years and pretty much nothing happened. And then I just, then I just said, I'll just make do my own show and film it and pretend it's on TV. That, you... that is an accurate representation of what a journey is. But yours. It's not. Makes a, you there isn't a route, though, is there? There no. isn't a thing that you can do that will make you. 
I mean, I wouldn't consider myself... Uh, I mean, this didn't sell out, did it? So... <laughs> no, what I'm saying is it's not... <laughs> it's how you, you know, what do you want to do? I mean, it, like, it wasn't a deliberate th- thing. I wasn't... I wouldn't say I was necessarily ambitious or wanted no. to be... No, I don't think you were. But, but, but that's then I think, different. But from... then I think that's. But that's sort of, in all seriousness, it's a really exciting. I think as a comedian, it's a really exciting book to read because you have you st- and I've I'm not, I've followed your career anyway, pretty much nearly from. Mm. The, I've seen most of your uh, Edinburgh shows. I don't think I saw the first one or two. The cheese roll. I don't, I don't think. I'm not sure if I saw the cheese roll. I don't think. I think I would remember if I had seen the cheese roll. I think the Charles. Not the, many people saw no. it. No, <laughs> I think the Charles the second one was the first one I saw. But I have a, I have a feeling of remembering something about cheese roll. So maybe I saw that as well. But. Uh, but, you know, you've really stuck to doing what you want to do, and a lot of it's crazy, but it was always kind of enjoyable, but it wasn't... You certainly weren't marketing yourself towards winning the, the big, big comedy award in Edinburgh at any point, I don't think. What, by talking or... about... No, I mean, uh, no, not in any way so you, whatsoever. You've done always what you wanted to do, Yeah. however unusual that might be. Well, I didn't think it was unusual. No. I mean, I've written about things that is interesting to me... At, and yeah. so in 2005, cheese rolls were really interesting. <laughs> so I wrote about... Yeah. Actually, it wasn't about the cheese rolls that you eat. It was about the pagan ritual yeah, that, in, that happens in Gloucester. And someone went, <laughs> Probably a, a vegan. Bloody cheese-loving idiot. Um, don't eat any of the cheese, so it's fine. I think in that's fact... Like, you just uh, roll the cheese, so you don't... Well, let's suppose whoever wins it. You roll it. the cheese, but the people for the ethical treatment of animals tried to ban it. That isn't true, is it? I it just got is to, I just true. I just got to that bit in the book. That can't be true. It is true. Because it was not ethical that it was a, a pro- the product of an animal. They wanted a soya-based cheese. <laughs> I'm, I'm not... But actually, not joking, but it was shut down by Health and Safety in the Council, but... Gloucester people are not going to be stopped by the council by rolling cheese. Well, it's sort of down a cliff, isn't it? I mean, it's a very steep hill. It's got a gradient of one in one, which is like a cliff. It's like an Amsterdam. It's the funniest thing you've ever seen in your life. (laughs) And so people chase the cheese, and whoever beats the cheese, is it to beat the cheese or catch the cheese? You can't beat the cheese, Rich. You, One day so there will be someone. You who honestly can. think that a human being <laughs> can be a hurling seven pounds? <laughs> because I know that about be, gravity. What if they're in a light aircraft or something? <laughs> Objects fall at the same pace, whatever size or mass they are. So, ask uh, David Frew, he'll tell you. Yeah, but only in a vacuum. You're right. Is yeah. it a vacuum? <laughs> which, which? I think technically Gloucester counts as a vacuum. <laughs> I say this is coming from another West Country town where cheese is quite important. I think we're, we're, I'm allowed to mock Gloucester and Gloucester cheese. Who do you cheese think because... wins the cheese, uh, me or you? Well, I mean, cheddar cheese is the best cheese in the world. Yeah, but what do you do with it? Um, we sometimes keep it in a cave. People <laughs> come and look at it it's in the cave. It's not as good as... It's so, not as exciting. And we have hills. I mean, that's, we never thought to throw... We've got I'll Cheddar Gorge. We could have thrown cheese off the Cheddar Gorge. I think we're better than... Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm amazed yeah. no one in Cheddar thought of that. And then saying, why don't some people chase after... Throw that off the lion's head. <laughs> it doesn't really look like a lion's head in Cheddar Gorge. And then jump after... Whoever can jump after it and catch Gets. it. And they haven't updated the prize either. So it's like... Um, 
like for thousands of years or whatever. So now you get, you still get someone's wife or cow. Or, you don't really. It's three pounds, I think. <laughs> Yeah, the, it is amazing, though. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely... I can't believe the show didn't win the Perry It is one of the, the best Perry things award. I've ever seen in my entire yeah. life. Not like in a cruel way, but it is funny seeing people hurled through the air. Is there a People for the Ethical Treatment of People organisation? Because <laughs> surely they should be getting... It's not so much the cheese, it's the people who are... Do well, people really the, get badly injured? Do yeah, it? really yeah. badly. I mean... Do people die? Only they? once. <laughs> But, but they know. still carried on after that. That's <laughs> yeah, it's only one. He won, but uh, they buried him with his cheese. Oh, that's not a very nice thing to say. Um, yeah, no, he did uh, did his neck in, I think. But it's normally just broken limbs and stuff. Yeah, people get really rat ass before they do it. Yeah, and there's separate races as well for, you know. I hope it's for men and women and not. <laughs> they're separate races for separate races. I think there's a kind of Gloucester. <laughs> Yeah, there's like Gloucester people and then there's everyone else. Yeah. yeah. No, it's pr- I do... Ra- you should really go and see it. Yeah. yeah. People, people come from all over the world, actually. Peter also... And I went to the protest once, pre- protests against the Pamplona running of the bulls, which makes more sense. Yeah. Because uh, it's horrific. But it's like they seem to not like it any event where people can really badly hurt themselves trying to have fun. That who, seems um, to be the linking thing. Did you... Have you watched all the videos of the... The actual I generally, having got, as I went to the protest, which was running naked through the. I did it, I didn't care, I did it for a show. I, uh, I was. I'm, I'm not that bothered. I think you probably do it anyway. <laughs> well, we weren't allowed to run naked in the end. They don't oh. mind, yeah. They, we had to wear pants. Oh. Uh, and uh, it was when I was doing 12 Tasks of Hercules Terrors available, we'll be, we'll be doing that here in August, too late for people at home. Uh, but, uh, oh, yeah, so but I was going, instead of doing a, like a bull based. Thing. I was going to run with the bulls. In fact, uh, my friend Stuart Lee suggested I run with the bulls, which made me think that maybe he didn't like me that much after all. Uh, Sorry, can I just stop? Did you not bring my, my book? Should I have brought my book? You should have brought your book. I've only got it on a Kindle because oh. you said you'd send me a copy and then you didn't send me one. So I had to buy it, on, had to buy it myself. On, and I can't just bring a Kindle out here, come and go. That is, oh. That's what one of the pages They know like. anyway, don't they? They do. Yeah. Or you can, this doesn't... is also Talking Cock. You can buy this book, which is also... <laughs> It's a, it's a feminist exploration of the human penis. Oh, I'll have to look out for that. There's actually loads of good, there's loads of good stuff in there you'll enjoy oh, yeah. about, about uh, how early <coughs> gods were all female-based. Oh! oh! Someone's got... Hey, thanks for buying it. Oh, is you, are you the vegan? <laughs> no, no. Oh, there it is. Oh, I feel really bad now. I'll give it back. <laughs> Keep it. Keep it. Sell, sell it. it. Sell it. <laughs> sell it to someone else. No, well, all right. Oh, what if he's written in it? Oh, this bit shit. Uh, <laughs> oh, look, there's loads of yawns in that bit. No. Doesn't look like he's read it yet. That looks nice. You ready? What is the? <laughs> ask you a question. What happens what at is... the end? <laughs> well, you no, know, it's a, it's. Uh... <laughs> There's lots of things in the book that make me, and they make, they, I haven't got to the end yet. I'm right. 65% of the way through because I'm reading on a Kindle rather than a book. Uh, so, <laughs> there's lots of things that beg more questions that you may answer later in the, in the book. But, for example, you were sacked from being a milkmaid. 
Is that true? That's just that's a, th- a throwaway comment in the book. That is a book. Is that have you saved that for well, another book? Well, I, I, um, <laughs> okay. Uh, is when, it a lie? No. Well, no. I, I left. Right. Right. Okay. It was kind of a mutual agreement. <laughs> what happened was when I was I left school really young, and lied about my age and got a job in a for the local newspaper. Yeah. But the editor was a real twat. <laughs> So I left and I thought, I think I'd, I'd like to work with animals and stuff. So I got a job on a farm. And part of my job there was milking the cows. So I wasn't like a maid. Yeah. You didn't have like the thing over your shoulders. And the, the, yeah, the, 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 I, mean, I mean, I did do that with my hair. But, uh, <laughs> no, and um, it was really traumatic. And I've never been so stressed in my entire life. Why was it traumatic? Well, okay. So, for example, <laughs> my tasks uh, for the first hour was to... So, I started at six o'clock. Yeah. First job was to get a newborn calf out of a pen right. and into a cage on the back of a tractor. I don't know if you've ever tried to handle a newly born calf. No. No. Well, I've, I've never ne- tried to put it in a cage. Well, I've never even seen one before. Right. anyway. Because they're really slippery and yeah. everything. I think I was sort of, by about 12 o'clock, I was just sort of crying. In a, and I noticed that the Richard, the farmer, and his wife were just doubled over laughing at me <laughs> through their kitchen window. I think they had the kitchen built in a certain way so that they could see all the new young people who thought that there was more to life than working in an office and just watched them all day. I fed... Um, so I didn't get the calf in, and the no. calf was really traumatised as well. Yeah. I mean, I didn't even know how to open the cage. <laughs> even if I did had managed to get a handle... Did they just say, go out and do that? They didn't say, we'll show you how to do he that. He didn't tell me, That's you nasty. know, get the back bit or the head, or I don't know. Um... <laughs> Uh, Wipe it down with the towel first to get rid of it. So that it wasn't a slippery. Yeah. Yeah, no, nothing. Just get that in there. See ya. I'm off for my bacon. Oh. Um, Then I fed the other cows gravel. Because they said, there's their feed if you feed them. But there was loads of (laughs) sacks of different stuff all in a row. And it looks the same. It, you know, you're laughing, but it really wasn't funny. <laughs> and then he said, um, oh, this was all in... So it was shift work, right? Because you've got to get up with the cattle and you have to work around them, basically. So I started at six, then worked until, like, 12 or one or something, and then I had to come back at six to get them in from the... <laughs> walk them home from the fields and that. And, um, oh, yeah, he said... So I've got... Very, I'm scared of heights as well. So then after I didn't get the calf in and fed the, the, the adult... You can edit this, can't you? <laughs> uh, uh, gravel. Then he said, oh, see that those hay bales up there? If you could just get them down. <laughs> get them down. Get those... And I was really small when I was 15. Like, I was quite slight and small. Yeah. And um, so I had to climb up this ladder and get these hay bales that were really huge and heavy and had like string around them that really cut into your hands and get them get them down I didn't get any of them down 
because I was just sort of up there crying. I'm scared of heights. It was an absolute disaster. Then one of the cows, because they, in the, well, in the olden days, well, it was still kind of mechanic, but you had to, you have to clean their udders first with your hand, and then you put the, like, the pumps on them. And apparently cows know if you're new. (laughs) And, um... So I was cleaning it, going, oh, God. <laughs> oh, I think I'll just go back to typing. <laughs> anyway, and then I, it, you, you stand in like a... It's like a sort of a swimming pool with no water on it, so you're level with their feet. Right. And so, because they, the, they knew that I hadn't done it before, they just sort of, you know, pissed and shat all over me. <laughs> And then Richard, like the farmer, he was like, oh, I'll, I'll hose you, you know, I'll ho- hose you down. <laughs> it sounds funny now, right? But <laughs> So I had to stand there in this, like, courtyard in my overalls. And, um, you know, it sort of gets everywhere, really. So I'd failed to do any of the things. Yeah. And I was covered in shit and piss. And the farmer, who I had only just met was hosing me down and it was like cold water as well and then because I used to ride my motorbike there and then um, I said all right see you in the morning (laughs) and on my way home my bike my tyre blew out on my motorbike and I managed to keep it I didn't have a really bad smash and it was out in the if you think like rural Gloucester in the sort of mid 80s was well, it was quite an interesting place. Anyway, I had to knock on this... <laughs> I knocked on this farmhouse to see if I could borrow their... use their phone. Yeah. <laughs> it was literally like Royston Bayes. I mean, it was... It was... I was like, oh, can I... I've had an accident. Can I use your phone? Phone? <laughs> well, I haven't got a phone, but you can come in. I'd forgotten about all of that. Were you still covered in cow piss and shit at this no, point? No, but no, okay. my dad said that it was not pleasant to live with me for those two days. Because I was really... That wasn't worth putting in the book, all that? No, of course no. not. Look at the silence. It's, it's amazing. Uh, it's not part of the... It's not moving anything forward, is it, that story? I think it is. It tells us a lot about you. Uh, and uh, there's lots of things. Uh, you Oh, the thing that I think about, I interviewed Russell Brand. Did you? Yeah, and on yeah. this show. Oh, yeah. And then, yeah, and then just when you were talking just then, it reminded me, he re- you really look like Russell Brand. I know. There's something, like, really, I he know. looked at me, and I went, ah! And I thought, it's, and I thought oh, no. It's... These are the people who... Uh, right. Uh, um, Lawrence Llewellyn Bowen... <laughs> Russell Brand, <coughs> um, what's that woman who used to sing in those musicals? <laughs> she might have to narrow it down a bit. She was, I think she, Sarah yeah. Oh, Sarah Brightman. Um, yeah, Sarah Brightman. Who else? Um, lots of people. Yeah, actually. you could do, you know, you could do like characters of like a sort of both of sele- men. I've done a that. A Bo Selector program yeah. where you, do, you could do a female Bo Selector. Ho selector, could we call it? Yeah. Yeah, could do that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I couldn't do that, yeah. <laughs> you once tried to buy a cave? 
Well, it, it, I was shut down quite early on. There was a cave for sale in Hereford. Right. But it didn't have any uh, service, you know, electricity or water. No, or... due to it being a cave. Yeah, but you could put some in, presumably. But it was amazing, and I did want to buy it. it was about, I think it was about 35,000, no. £40,000 40, or something. That sounds all right. Yeah, it, I didn't, you know, it's not practical really with children. <laughs> I mean, I know it was once, but uh, they didn't have Are you any planning choice. to use that as your main, your main habitation? Or does it mean it's nice to own a cave you could go and look at? Probably have it as like a <laughs> weekend retreat. <laughs> yeah, all oh, those Londoners coming down, ruining our cave uh, community. <laughs> And you were, you were mugged? Yeah, I was mugged, yeah. God, you picked really weird things well, to talk they're about. All, they're all things that you don't elaborate on. I don't say. talk about my personal life very yeah, much. Okay. Really. I'm not, I don't think that it's very interesting, but... It is very interesting. I think though, these are interesting things that you just kind of skate over and say, oh, it's had some made. Oh, oh yeah. Well, not every, everyone gets mugged, don't they? Well, <laughs> um, I had five pounds in my pocket. Yeah. And uh, it, well, it was in Brixton. And I was really poor at the time, so I didn't want to give him my £5. But I wish I had, because he knocked my front teeth out. Right, yeah. And they ended up costing a lot more than £5 to sort out. But it didn't really bother me. In fact, I ran into my local pub. It was 5 o'clock in the afternoon, like no one stopped. I was like, I'm obviously not with this man. It's not a... You know, anyway, it's weird how people won't get involved or yeah. everything. He th- hit him. <laughs> Do you know, he hit me so hard, it's hilarious. I spun round, yes. Did like a pirouette. Yeah. Um, but my... I didn't know what a nerve looked like. Does anyone know what a nerve looks like? Anyway, and I went into this pub and I went, oh, what are those little dots? Ah! A, a nerve is like a tiny little line with a sort of a dot on the end. Right. So they were... Having a look around. <laughs> Wish I'd asked you that now. I'm a bit, I'm a bit shaky from the hangover as it is. I've got, I had to hold on to the chair there for a second. That's, that's I should it. actually. This is interesting. Is that since I've had children, I, I've always found it really hard to walk away from trouble. Like I'll face it. Yeah. Like when I was in New York once, I was on the subway and there was a proper gang. Like hooded kind of really on a lot of stuff and the train was packed and um, one of them like spat on me and um, (laughs) I went oh oh, oh, I think that's yours (laughs) and my boyfriend at the time said to me if you ever do anything like that again because they would have killed me first I was like why would they have killed you for, anyway, I didn't think about it, right? And then the train got stuck in a tunnel. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So there was a moment, right, where he looked at me and I looked at him. And the whole lot of them looked at me. And I thought, this might be it, or this might be really bad. And all his friends started laughing. And said, She's, she got you, ah, ha, ha, like that. And then I thought, this is, he's lost status, so he's going to have to get his status back. So he's going to now have to do something much worse. But he started laughing as well. And then they said to me, you're all right. 
and went like that. <laughs> and then I got off and fainted. <laughs> I almost wish I hadn't spat on you now. You're, you're an okay... No, but I won't. You have to... The thing is, it's like if you're... I mean, I've been attacked quite a lot in my life from, like... I have been, but it's like, say it's... Like, I'm from Gloucester. If you felt... I've got a massive lump here where I was bottled in Gloucester. Well, it's just not a big deal, really. Anyway, um, I always think that you make decisions, don't you? Split second... Like, every scenario is different and you have to just do what you think is right at that time. And sometimes facing up to it's the right thing and sometimes it isn't the right thing. But now with children, I do... If there's something that I don't need to get involved in, yeah. I won't get involved in it. But I find it hard to not... I find it hard to... But that, that's almost like... I mean, it's slightly self-destructive, but it's like a comedic instinct of doing the thing you're not meant to do. And that's a, as a comedian, there's, there's an element of that, aren't you? Say, you act in a way that other people wouldn't act. That's how comedy works, I suppose, is that you yeah. are thinking thoughts <laughs> that hopefully the audience wouldn't immediately leap to. Otherwise, well, some, it doesn't work for all comedians. Uh, <laughs> some comedian's job is to tell the audience the things that they might, might have that forgotten, they might but, want, yeah. but, they, but they haven't actually forgotten. That's, that's quite a successful what stand-up comedy. What is comedy, Rich? <laughs> There's all sorts of different types. It's all different. There is different ones. <laughs> the, the easiest one is just reminding people of things they think they've forgotten but haven't forgotten. That is the, I'm very good at reminding people things of things they, that they have forgotten. <laughs> that that doesn't work as well. Yeah. Because they don't remember it because they've forgotten it. I forget things as yeah. well. Uh, but, uh... <laughs> Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out of pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Um, well, what's great about the book uh, at the starting point, and there's lots of great things, it is genuinely, I think people, everyone has to read this book. It's just, it's fantastic. Because oh, when I think when it's so just, nice. well, for lots of reasons, I think this is a, it, it is a personal journey as well as being, you know, about anti-sex. I mean, it's, I think the starting point of it, the way you start, and the, and the epiphany and the road to Damascus element that you've chosen to claim as the, the change in your in your fortunes in your career or, or understanding who you are as a comedian is a man farting in a feminist... Yeah, like that show. wasn't, like, obviously, it'd been that a lot of things had happened before yeah. the fart. That was yeah. just the thing that was, like, that made... that was also funny. None of the other things were funny. No. But this was a thing that, all, that made me angry and amused me. <laughs> <laughs> so a man in a bookshop had pretended he didn't have any feminist books... Oh, it was really weird. I mean, you know, I've talked about this fart at length now, so at some point I will have to move on from it. But in case, I think it's important so in terms of it this is book. important. Yeah, well, there and was a and understanding who you are. Yeah, well, there this. was a <laughs> there was a particular day. Yeah. Where three things had already happened on that day, and they were all involving women, and they were all, you know, quite depressing things. And then, and then, the, in the afternoon, I wanted to buy these three books. And I went to Waterstones. Yeah. Well, I went to a bookshop. <laughs> it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. They won't be watching. And uh, so the guy was really obstructive. Like everything. Like he was immediately uh, unhelpful and annoyed that I was that that I was there. Or it just didn't. Probably just didn't want to do his job. Probably like that with everybody. But it was sort of one of those. Do you ever sometimes in life, you know, if you're speaking to I don't know the gas board or your, your phone people is you think that if you weren't a writer you would sort of just not just want to leave society like yeah. there are things that are so frustrating and confusing and needn't be to do with the admin of life that you say in your book, I picked it out, as I love this thing, that if, you know, the, the deferred creative revenge on tedious admin of life is what, you know, how, how people who don't have that... I don't know how they... How they survive. It's, um, <laughs> it's um, Michael Douglas in that film, isn't it? It is. Um, but, yeah, I was, I was dealing with this man thinking, oh, well, I obviously have to do something, write something about this. But, yeah, it was like everything's... No, I've never heard of... Virginia what like he couldn't spell anything and then he hadn't heard of Virginia Woolf and then he said that he didn't have a book which was in a massive display in the window like I was like but you've got I'll just go and get one from the window he's like no don't do that because you'll knock all the cardboard over and stuff like that and I said well I'll go and have a look myself is there a you know a, a, a gender studies section or I don't know whatever you call it, it keeps changing its name that, that section <laughs> Now it's called the women shit section. <laughs> um, and he sent me off upstairs, and I got upstairs, and it wasn't upstairs. And the girl said, "No, it's downstairs in the corner by the opposite the toilet." And as I was on my way downstairs, yes, it literally is. That wasn't joke. On my on my way downstairs, he was in the women's study section, and he saw me, and I looked at him, and I was like, "You've sent me up here. Why have you sent me?" Here? And when I got there, it really fucking stank, and I was like. Oh, yeah, and he saw me, and then he sort of walked off. So that was really weird. He sort of went... He sort of saw me and went... 
<laughs> and like walked off really quickly. And I thought, right. So it was him, because there's nobody else. So he did that fart. So that means that either that's what he thinks of feminism, or he didn't even know he was in the <laughs> Wimsdon, which is probably even worse. Or he thought, where is the least populated area of the bookshop? Where can I go to do all of my days farts without fear of any feminist or, or anyone turning up? Uh, I'll do it there. And then I turned up and um, <laughs> got... Um, well, three Edinburgh shows, two, <laughs> two BBC Radio 4 series and a book out of it. So I suppose I should thank him, really. Maybe, but, um, maybe he's an angel sent from heaven to, farting to fart and make you... Because you've got the weeping angels. <laughs> the, the farting angels. That fart was meant to make you think, <laughs> make you angry. But it was, yeah, I was there and I was genuinely cross and angry and confused as well. And, but also, you know... Farts are funny. <laughs> so then that was in 2012, and I did that show where I'd leave a man standing on stage and I'd mocked up this sort of bookshop thing and I'd get a man from the audience and he would have to stand there and I played in three farts on a loop and they were, they were proper, they did sound like, you know, sometimes sound effects don't sound, they did sound like farts. So everyone would leave the end of the show in silence to this man and with just the three sound cues. And it was quite funny in big rooms because if, like, a few hundred people had to get out, like, in silence, he'd have to stand there for about 10, 10 15 minutes. And they'd always stand there, really. They'd never go, oh, can I go yet? They'd always stand there really, yeah. really politely. And, um, yeah, so that was the fart. But then I thought, I wonder if... I could write about other things. Yeah. <laughs> Starting from the... But, it, but again, I think it's the interesting journey, because you were doing... But these... nothing was... I say I thought, oh, that fart was funny, but it was kind of about feminism as well and stuff like that. But it wasn't... I wasn't trying to write a show that I thought would do well, if you know what I mean. I, no. I had nothing to lose at that point. Like, nobody was coming anyway. No, I know. Really. That's, I think that's sort of what's. I mean, it is interesting, like from a comedic point of view. A that you were very prop based and costume based, which I, you know, I love. But you know, as a comedian, it gets yeah. annoying, especially if you have. It was to, hard to tour. Yeah, if you have well. to go anywhere. Yeah. Just you know, any of those accoutrements. But also, it's a slight. You're slightly hiding, but mm. you're you're characters like the Great Fire of London and <clears> you know, Samuel. But you just did crazy <laughs> characters, and they were brilliant. I love those early shows, <laughs> and you're slightly down on them in the book, but I think they were great. Uh, and I really loved the Daily Mail show, which was a different thing altogether. Yeah, that was well. a different thing. Yeah. Um, but but I think like that realizing that you didn't necessarily need all the costumes. I mean, you want the radio, and you couldn't use the costumes. Couldn't, yeah. So that getting rid of that, and then becoming sort of yourself, and finding the thing that you know, even though it was coming from it, it, just like the Great Fire of London, talking to everyone, this thing, <laughs> this thing had come from you, and was your very personal thing. I, I don't know. It's sort of you do sort of talk about this, but I mean, I think. It's about the. I think it's the realization, which is very true, that sexism is just inherently ridiculous. But yeah, it's absurd. I mean, if just, you thought about it for a second, yeah, you would just. And sexist people are very, you know. So it's in similar eyes, sort of fact. I mean, other people have realized these things, and I think we all know. You know, most people would know that sexism is ridiculous. But I think when you realize as a comedian 
how ridiculous it is, then this whole world opens up because you don't. It's not about making feminism funny or not funny because feminism, in a lot of ways, is quite a serious subject. But to realise that the the key to it, I think, is is to mock yeah. sexism, which sort of does its own job. But if you find the right the right way of doing, it, you know what I mean. And that yeah. was that was sort of the key. But to subject matter doesn't make something funny. No. I mean, you could, and I will ap- apply the same stuff uh, to two other things as I did with feminism so if I wanted to talk about you know I don't know toasters or something you would think that people wanted to see the way that I did something rather than they were coming to see something because they were interested in the subject of course yeah yeah Yeah, but I think just that I mean the the minute you sort of found that that avenue and the way to do it I just think you know it it sort of transformed what you were doing yeah uh, and I don't know, it's, it's really interesting because it's just, you sort of, I don't know, it's kind of hard to put into words because, you know, I'm a man. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, it's, it's allowing those people to, I always try to come up with a great, uh, I'd, like, I'd like to be a modern artist, really, and I like to come up with modern art things. And one of the ideas I have, but a sort of similar thing, is to now just do very fine portraits of everyone who is a um, global warming denier and, and build a lovely gallery and put the and put the, and own yeah. it for a thousand years and have those portraits up there and put global warming deniers above it uh, and they they would love it because they get a picture of themselves but then if in a hundred years time things you know, the, the world's underwater that's artistically that becomes a different gallery doesn't it yeah so I mean, you could be... do the same with people on twitter who <laughs> attack women for wanting to have one woman on a pound note or something. It's, you know, th- those people, the, 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 the sexist attitude of someone... I mean, saying women aren't funny, you kind of... When a, ma- when a man says that, I kind of think, do you know any women? That's the, cause, cause, have you ever met a woman? Because how have you lived your life and not found one funny woman? That sort of suggests to me that you have never managed to successfully talk to a woman. I know, but when you talk about... The, I mean, I refuse to talk about this now, but yeah, yeah. I will because it's you. <laughs> but um, it's, it's like you're saying, you know, sexism is, is, is absurd, you know, racism is absurd, transphobia is absurd. All these things are, are absurd. They don't bear up to, you know, if you... It's very hard to argue against if you if you try and have an argument against uh, someone who says a feminist. It's basically you're trying to argue against logic, fact, reason, yeah. and common sense. So it's really hard for people to win an argument like that, and, and they just sort of tie themselves up in knots. It's really funny. I had one actually where <laughs> this guy, he's a nice, nice guy, but he said, oh. You know, I know it's not you and everything, but you know, I've moved and we've moved to quite a small place. And there's a, you know, the guys go out on a Thursday, but you know, it's like a like a curry night on a Thursday, and you know, for the guys in the village. But um, you know, because of feminism, like I can't. Well, you know, my wife wants to go because because we've just moved there, and so she doesn't want me, you know, to go out on a Thursday, and so she wants to come, and so. Because of feminism, I can't go out on a Thursday. I'm like, <laughs> fucking joking. It's like, he's like, yeah, you know, so that's what it's done, hasn't it? <laughs> I'm like, oh, um, I don't really, really quite know where to start. But yeah, it, it's, um, p- p- people are just sort of threatened, I think, by it. It's not that 
They haven't really thought it through. If somebody says women aren't funny, they don't mean that women aren't funny. What they mean is um, it's an affront for a woman to stand up in a room of people and to think that they... Because it's a high-status thing to do. I mean, Mary Beard's brilliant about this. She said that she puts it in a historical context. So rather than it being misogyny, she says we're just not used to seeing people, women speaking in public. And it's not just female comedians, it's politicians or whoever where they're like, they're still an anomaly. It's like they're a kind of freak of nature. or a, yeah. They pose some kind of threat. It's like, who do you think you are to stand up there with your words that we invented? <laughs> <laughs> and um, it's probably one of us, actually. Anyway, um, <laughs> so... I, I, just, I, mean, I think by, by coming to... It's a very hard subject to get through to people and I think like with feminism the you know the, the, the knee jerk reaction is guys going oh feminists doing this and that and, and so that, that's I think comedy as with a lot of subjects is a great way to, to open that up I, did you not because it's, it, it means if people are laughing at something A and it's ridiculous A if you believe that you have to go oh people are laughing at me and I'm being ridiculous uh, but also it's just less you know, it's more inclusive, I think. I think this is why fascism didn't want people taking the piss out of fascism, why Hitler didn't want people taking the piss out of fascism, because the minute you laugh at it, it kind of crumbles. Yeah, well, actually, um, Leila Hussain, who's uh, 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 worked with a lot, she's an uh, amazing, uh, just the most incredible person I've ever met in my life, really, but she's, she's an FGM survivor, campaigner and activist, and she said an absolutely amazing thing to me. Uh, we made a short film about... Um, FGM, and she said, um, you know, the reason that she mocks FGM and its ideologies and the people who think that it's a good thing is because when you mock something, you lower its status. And she says, you know, it's a really important distinction to make that you obviously, no subject, she said, should be off limits, like at all. Hmm. And, um, you know, uh, uh, by mocking something, you make it less important. So you're saying, I don't recognise something that you think is really great and I'm going to mock you for it. And we should have that as a basic right that we should be able to do. Mm. But, is, you know, I mean, if you're... I mean, we have nothing to lose, do we? We live in a democracy, we can say what we like. Yeah. You know, but lots of, there's lots of prisoners of conscience around the world who can't say what they like. Rafe Badawi has been lash, lashed in Saudi, you know, for saying things that he wants. So they've got a lot more to lose than we have. I think it kind of... I think we're in this really weird um, period where this kind of... We're in this kind of post-feminism and post-racism era where there's a lot of people, including UKIP, who think that there isn't kind of racism or sexism or misogyny anymore. Mm. And so why are you still... But Like, he's almost saying that we don't need the 1968 Race Relations Act and it's fine for people. It's just banter, like racist jokes, misogynist jokes. It is, and the sort of the rights of hijacked freedom of speech and they're kind of saying well I've got a right to be to say these things but I think it's kind of like a waste but also you can't because someone doesn't agree with you that doesn't mean to say that they don't have their right as well because we've like it's a it's everybody has it but I think Voltaire is probably now regretting saying you know his famous quote everything that Katie Hopkins says appalls me and disgusts me but I would die for her right to be able to say it. I think he's, think he's regretting saying that now. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it's just how you do things. I think we have an obligation yeah. as comedians 
Yeah, well, to, I do, to but I do not split communities and spread. I mean, I mean, I don't know. Comedians can say there's this idea, isn't it, that the left has got it all sewn up, comedy sewn up, it's absolute complete nonsense, myth. Yeah, and it's not. If you, I mean, also I think sometimes people think that oh, she's you know, fucking God, yeah, she's preaching to the converted. Like I really am not. It's like I die a lot, and a lot of people don't want to hear it, but I think there's this idea that I'm sort of going around all these <laughs> feminist lecturers going, look at this pen. Like, it's not... <laughs> it really does not... It's, you know... No, I know, I know. And also, but I, think, I sort of think with these... It's like on Twitter, some, the, the, you know, the, the sort of shaming, if you've read Ben Goldacre's Goldacre's book, but like the, that sort of shaming culture, and it seems to be sometimes people are more interested in kind of appealing to their friends and getting their approval of their friends than actually trying to win an argument or to try and, well, not to win an argument. You know, with feminism, it's, it's about trying to make everyone see that, that obvious, everyone being equal is a good thing. It seems a bit odd that it's, that it's difficult to get that message through. But would... sometimes, you know, they're kind of, it can be just about who's the best at being a feminist, can't it? <laughs> No. Yeah, I think, <laughs> I, don't I, you think so? Don't you think sometimes it, I just feel with some people, like on Twitter, sometimes it's. Well, and I'm I am a feminist, on, and they annoy s- me. So it's you know it's that's what that's what I'm. I'm well, talk- I'm not on social media. No. I find it, you know, it's. Um, I know that it can be really brilliant, uh, especially in countries that don't have you know uh, democracies. But um, I think that um, it constricts people. I think it holds people back, basically. I'm not on social media, and so I might say, I'll like, write a show or say something or a piece of material, and I'm not affected by what happens when it gets out there. Yeah. And I think that if I was, I would be constantly self-editing all the time, and I don't think, as a writer, you should be like that. Um, but, I, but I've... It's a very intimidating place, I think. It, I think it, it does shock... I mean, a lot of friends of mine have you know, been really intimidated and have, ha- oh, have okay, to yeah. uh, move out from where they're living and it's had a really incredibly negative uh, f- impact on them. Um, but I don't get involved. It's not that I don't want to interact or communicate with people. I mean, I do. Thanks for coming. But um, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I think that... Um, I think you have to do what you want to do. And let whatever happen, you know, don't get bogged down in how it's going to be received and what people are going to think about it. But it took me a long time to get to that point. Yeah. A long, long time. I mean, in stand-up, that only really happened to me in 2013. Sort of liberated myself from the need to be liked or popular because I wasn't anyway, so I had nothing to lose. And writing the book, I I was kind of paralysed with fear about it because a book is like a thing. Like, that exists now in the way that a bad gig is gone. Like, it's a moment in time. It's between me and the audience, and that's over now. But a book is something that is on your shelf. And I actually had a moment where I thought, right, if it's shit, I can't burn them all. (laughs) And so I kind of lost my nerve for a long time, and then I had to write it really fast. Yeah. Like, in three months. (laughs) Well, it's kind of... It's sort of... Because it's really topical. Like, if you read it now... But that's it's it, like it's like. Did you write this last week? And like, yeah, it's literally <laughs> right up against yeah. the. Yeah, I didn't think I was. Yeah, yeah, it was because um, I I was worried about many different things. I was worried. I I mean, I 
th- there's been some brilliant women that I've met in the last few years, activists and campaigners, and really fantastic women. I felt a kind of responsibility to them. I felt a responsibility to comedy. And um, I sort of, I didn't know what it was. I, it took me a long time to find out who I was in the book. Like, why does this book exist? There's loads of brilliant books about feminism that people can go and read. I need to do something different with this. But once I thought that, once I realised that it had to be about how I wrote stand-up about feminism, then that was, it, it could be judged on its own terms because that book wasn't out there. Like, there, yeah. wasn't a, there wasn't a book written by a stand-up that was about how they wrote about feminism. No. So it, then it was quite, it, then it was much easier for me. Yeah. And then I stopped worrying about, you know, what... Julie Birchall might say about it, or Julie Bindle, or, or Suzanne. But you know the people that I, yeah. or people that I, you know. But then you know it does all the things that those those books would want to do. But also, well, so, I but don't know. Well, I think it, I think it does, and it's but it's also really funny. So I think that that's what I just I just think you're reading that you're entertained. Well, I just tried to make it as funny as I could. Yeah. Right. And and any, anything else that's in it is kind of a sort of a bonus. But I thought that if you know. You want people to keep turning the page over. You want them to read it quite quickly. Not, oh, God, for money on page 10. So I just thought I'd try to make it as funny as possible. Yeah. And then, um, and then it would be judged as a humour book, <laughs> not as, you know, yeah. anything more serious than that. Yeah, but, you know, humour's important as well. So it is. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, it but is. It's, I mean, I think it's, it's sort of... That's why I just... I think just... You know, people would, people would read that book who wouldn't necessarily see themselves as feminists or wouldn't necessarily or might see themselves as anti-feminists and might come away from it. I don't think they'll read it because on the back it says <laughs> if you're interested in comedy and feminism this is the book for you. <laughs> if you hate both then I'd probably give it a miss. <laughs> but if you only so hate one of them read if you like comedy and you hate feminists this is still the book for you. And you might, or if you, you might hate come, comedians uh, yeah. and love feminists. That could, that could also work. Right. You got webbed feet. That's a, that, you do talk about it a bit, but that's an amazing. That's an amazing. You could do a whole show about that. Well, it's not my whole foot. Wow, well, even the, a bit of the, the foot um, is incredible. That's like a. It's duck a family thing. We've all got them. Most of us have got them. Yeah, it's a genetic. When my children were born. It's the first thing I looked at. Um, Gets yeah, the second and third toes on the right foot. Right. There's lots of us. It's my brother, two sisters, my mum and my dad. No, there's my nieces. Yeah, it's like a thing. It's fine, though. You don't need to go on about it. I want to go on about it. It's like a superpower. <laughs> yeah, it's if you quite, have quite... to get through a very tiny bit of water <laughs> slightly quicker than someone else. I've got not, a small hand, so you know, I know what it's like. I've got very, I've got like a girl's hand. They're hands. not webbed, though. I know, but they're tiny, so I know what it's, and that is a superpower. Does that make I'm, you swim less quicker, then? No. I do an awful routine that I'm having to resurrect from my shows about how I use it to, um, I, I lure paedophiles into a room, and then I'm hiding behind a curtain, and then I wank off the paedophiles, putting on a little girl's voice. And they think they've been wanked off by a seven-year-old girl, because of their hands. But they're very hairy, then. Well, that's all right, I can shave. Uh, and then, but the joke's on them because I'm actually a 48 year old man. So the joke is they haven't them. they haven't done anything. The police could come in, goes right, you can get wanked off by a man. Uh, so, and also, I'm stop, I'm keeping those paedophiles off the streets, am I? So that is, I'm I don't doing, think they so do it's a like superpower. That. I'm doing something to because that because of what I'm doing, 
Those pedophiles don't abuse any... What are you doing to stop paedophilia? Nothing. Well, so, I... uh, I'm literally stopping we it. We can't really wank with two webcams. <laughs> I'm saying it has to be wank base. I don't normally say things like that. You've made me. <laughs> it's quite it's interesting, isn't it? You, got wet. And you were in a motorbike gang. I was, yes. That's interesting. Is it? You did an amazing life. Have like I? You left school at 15, 14 or 15. Well. Which is something that happens in like the 1930s. Well, I didn't think it. Um, <laughs> how old are you? Um, sort of have. Well, okay, so my birthday is in August, yeah. so I kind of left full-time when I was... Full, I went back intermittently. I think I went back for a couple of exams, but I wasn't really there in the fifth year. It was in the fifth year back then. That was the last year of 1987, I think, or 85. The last year they did CSEs. Then the year after was GCSEs. Yeah, no. Yeah, I did leave. I, I did, did not... Um, think that it had anything for me really and, and I just hated it it was the worst I mean, if someone had said to me just try and get through this and then the rest will be fine I think but I think, but I, think I, re- I mean I really really hated school everything about it yeah yeah just wanted to leave as quickly as possible I knew that it wouldn't really I wasn't really <laughs> I mean I can read and write so that's good okay. but I didn't think that anything else yeah, just sort of. Yeah, it's, fa- it's fascinating. Think, think that it's, but then you're in a motorcycle gang. That's kind of unusual. Then you're a... Yeah, but I wasn't, like, breaking the law. I was just, you know, I was just in a... But, I mean, I did know the local Hells Angels. <laughs> and I did go on holiday with them. But um, <laughs> I did, to the Isle of Man. Well, it wasn't like a holiday. It was the TT races. But, um, yeah, we all went off. I was, quite, I was quite young, but I was very mature. In fact, they were all about sort of 30... <laughs> And I was about 16, 17, I think. But they all really trust... Like, I was the most sensible person. <laughs> I think this is in the... I think I've put this in, actually. There was a, w- w- when we got there, right, uh, they said, Oldbridge, you're really sensible. You... This is the only key to the house, right? Do you, if you remember this bit? <laughs> so you... We're going out now for something to eat, so put the key in a really safe place, all right? And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I hid it in my suitcase under my bed, and then we all went out. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, (laughs) at about 11, they said, oh, you know, Bridget's got the key. I was like, I haven't got the key. The key's hidden in my room. They were like, sorry? (laughs) They said, oh, the the key, the only key to the house. so well, you didn't you didn't tell me to like put it on my person. You just told me to put it in a safe place. Yeah, anyway, so um and I rode my bike to France when yeah. I was seventeen. Through the Swiss Alps. I was stuck in Wales in a blizzard. See you think it's interesting, but nobody else I does. Do. It's fascinating. It's sort of, but then I but I think that I also think that with comedians, like a lot of comedians, especially now, live quite a bo- have had quite a boring life. Of going to university and then becoming comedians, oh, including myself. So? Yeah, well, I think a, a bit, but unlike in the old days when I first started doing comedy, you would meet people who, you know, come off the docks and come from, the, you know, loads and but loads I of different jobs. I think comedy jobs. suffers for that, from, from not having a diverse. Yeah, well, it needs that. So yeah. that's, that's what I mean. It's, it's kind of nowadays, it's less, it happens less. Yeah, that you would be, you know, you'd go away 
to like a festival or something uh, with something and you'd be there'd be a guy in his 50s and there'd be guys in their 20s and some of them yeah. been accountants and some of them had been work, you know built railways and some of them had been mentally ill and some of them had been circus performers and um, Edinburgh's different as well yeah. I mean even when I first started going 10 years ago there would be really eccentric people who lived on boats for the rest of it the, and then they'd come up and but yeah. you're, th- you're seeing them less and less now well yeah well, they're kind of, of hidden away in weird places yeah yeah and London is really unbelievably <laughs> expensive so that's pricing out a lot of people I mean my equivalent me now uh, would not be able to come here and get a day job and live in a bed sit and do stand up at night I just, I just wouldn't be able to no. afford I wouldn't have been able to go to drama school without uh, maintenance grant scholarship luck, all of that, all that's being stripped away now. Osborne's just got rid of the maintenance grants for students from uh, uh, low-income families. So, yeah, I mean, everything's going to suffer. The arts is going to suffer, but, you know, <laughs> society's going to suffer. There's no joke, sorry. Let's talk about cops again. No, but, um, yeah, it is. The, the, it's um, it's going to be a real loss. I yeah. think everything's going to be... Yeah, but I, th- I sort of think with comedians, not all of them, because, you know... Some of them, like me, just go to Oxford University and then come out and have a charmed life. Uh, but uh, just endless success. Uh, but, uh, but, you know, it's, it, I think that's to have lived a life and done those things so, you know, to know yourself so well that you can go and, you know, or even just rebel in that, even if it's a slight... It's, it's kind of fascinating to me that you would do that so young. You'd leave school young while still obviously being academically bright. But you still I wasn't academic. But you are. But bright. you are though. I mean, that doesn't. It, none of that's. It's not like it, what exams you get. You're yeah. clearly a bright person. But that's in. That's in. That's maybe socially and intellectually. But I, I mean, academically, I'm. I was not. I really struggled. Yeah. Like I. I couldn't. I would just shut down. With anything to do with. I mean, I. I didn't even do maths. Like I was in. Remedial, you know, sort of no. arithmetic. Just couldn't really get my head around information and facts about any subject at all, really. <laughs> no, but unless I was really interested in it, which I don't know. Yeah. I, I, but, um, but then, like, getting a job on a newspaper at 15 and, you know, not liking it but going away and then yeah, get, I just getting jobs at the Daily Mail, you know, you've still managed to get into all those places. Yes, but it's not like it. I was going into brain surgery. I mean, these are jobs that anyone... You know, I, I mean, I just lied about my qualifications and I thought I would probably be able to do that job anyway. And I could. I mean, I, I wasn't going into hosp- pretending to be a doctor or a dentist or anything. I wouldn't have done that. And, you know, with acting and stand-up, you don't need to be good at anything, do you? It's just... <laughs> <laughs> just to be able to, you know, pretend to be someone else or... <laughs> or an ant. Been, yeah, an ant, be an ant, which I will bring back a, at some point. A ant. A ant. A ant. Um, good. Well, I mean, we haven't, you're going to have to let you go in a sec, oh, which God. is a shame, yeah. because there's loads to talk about. Um, that's, good, that's a good idea about that global warming guy tonight, and I'm going to do a sexist <laughs> I'm going to get. It's going to cost a lot of money to do it, but I'm going to do it. Uh, so <laughs> It's not as good as my one with all the shoes. That was a good one. The shoes. I thought I'm going to do it with my daughter. I'm going to keep every pair of shoes my daughter ever wears, and then I'm going to make them into an art installation. Well, I'll be dead by the end, but I'll have to leave instructions to, le- to leave an art installation, which is just all the shoes she's had through her life in a row, 
until the last shoe she wears. It's a brilliant piece of art. I'm sure I should be an artist, really. Because uh, I haven't talked about Sterling Moss and John Inverdale. That's fucking great. Uh, so, I haven't even asked you one emergency question. Have you ever seen a ghost? Yes! Wow! <laughs> yes, why don't we talk about ghosts? I've had lots of... Ex- well, we had a... Well, my dad says we didn't, but we did have a poltergeist in our house when we were growing up and uh, lots of things were moved around and uh, I mean really actually quite frightening things happened and um, I saw um, uh, I woke up and there was a hand well I mean it was my dad's hand because it had his wedding ring on it (laughs) he wasn't on the end of this hand I could see him in bed on the other side there was lots of us nine children so me and my brother when we were like four or five we had a bunk bed in my parents bedroom so I woke up and saw this hand with his wedding ring on, but like just ended at the wrist. I was like, oh, God. Ah! Turned round. And um, saw my dad lying down asleep. But then another one of my dad came up out of his body right. and said, oh, don't worry about it or something. And then... <laughs> and lay back down. Right. And then um, a horse... <laughs> yes. A white horse came through the window with a man on it with all, like, ragged clothes. I was like, hey, up. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's quite handsome. And I uh, was going, it's all right, I'll get the hand, I'll get the hand. I went, oh, yeah, if you could, it's down here. And then... <laughs> then this little girl who had been bothering me for a while was at the end of my bed and had pinched my feet. And I was like, oh, not you as well. So it's like, oh, please make the nice man with the ragged shirt on the white horse get rid of the girl and the hand. And then um, they did. <laughs> but my brother... Um, so, this is the freaky thing. Yeah. And this is absolutely true. I'm, honestly, this is true. I never told anybody about that. That was when I was four. And then about seven years ago, we were all... It's a very b- big part of Irish culture is to tell ghost stories, to sit around telling really scary ghost stories... And my brother went first. And he said, oh, I had one. Do you remember we had bunk beds in our, in mum and dad's bed? And I was like, yeah, yeah, what did you see? And he was like, well, I remember waking up, well, sort of thinking, I've got to get rid of the hand. <laughs> and um, he thought he got rid of the hand that was well, on the my... it, it was you and the man on the horse and the... And the girl, girl and dad, it was all yeah. of them. It was like multiple, it was like do teamwork. You, do you but think lots of other things as well. you might have been asleep? <laughs> um. <laughs> that is just one. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't think they were ghosts. <laughs> I just think I was, you know, a weird child. <laughs> no, but I've, lots of other things as well have happened. Well, no, because you, you can't see what he's doing. He's going like this. <laughs> <laughs> I hope a ghost scares you so Well, when I, was, when I was in Amsterdam, yeah, what uh, and I really don't believe in ghosts, uh, but I, uh, I was snoring, so there was two rooms in this flat. It was a massive flat that we'd been put in, but up these creepy stairs. Oh, I'll tell you um, another one as well before okay. I go. Yeah. And I, I've been, I went and slept in this attic room, and then I, then I could hear this weird noise coming from the kitchen below, and there was a window, and I looked down, I couldn't see anything. It was just... I 
was looking at me, what's going on? Mm. And then I went downstairs and it stopped. And I thought, I raised the window and I shut the window and I came back upstairs, went to the bedroom, <laughs> came downstairs, stopped, nothing happening. I went back upstairs <laughs> and I really thought there's definitely a ghost now. I'm really sure there's a ghost. And we'd also, earlier in the day, with a man had rung the doorbell and said, I'm a maintenance, it's flat maintenance. And then he'd, he'd rung the doorbell and I'd buzzed him in and then he hadn't appeared in, and come up to the, the stairs. And, uh, and then when we got back to the flat later, our, just our front door was wide open. And we definitely locked it and, and someone had come in and done some stuff. The blinds were up and stuff. But nothing, the, the man. Nothing was missing. I presume the maintenance guy had gone into another flat and then come into this flat and then pulled the door and not pulled it shut. Or he was a ghost. So I was already a bit freaked out by the fact that there might be a man. I was more worried about there being a man hiding in my flat waiting yeah, to kill yeah, me yeah, yeah. Uh, than a ghost. And then I went, I went and sat in the kitchen for ages and the noise didn't happen. Then I went upstairs and the minute I was upstairs, the noise started again. And, so I was, and then I went to sleep and then I woke up and the noise was happening again. And I was like, couldn't work out what it was. And then, then the next day I went down in the kitchen later on that we had a pack of crisps on the counter and... Um, there was a hole in the crisp packet that had been gnawed in by some rodent of some kind, I imagine, or a ghost. And we don't know, do we? So it's... But then how does a mouse know what's in a pack of crisps? Like, it, it was a closed pack of crisps. A mouse doesn't go, oh, I'll take a chance, I'll gnaw through that stuff for five hours in the hope there's some delicious crisps inside. That a mouse doesn't do that. So I think it was probably at least... At the very least, a ghost of a mouse who had, was able to see the contents with some kind of X-ray vision, or just a ghost. Because who says ghosts? They don't. They. It's hard, isn't it, for them to open stuff. We were talking about Patrick Swayze backstage. So he couldn't always. He couldn't always manipulate stuff unless he was really angry. So that ghost had to gnaw the. It seems like. If you're a ghost... It's not as good as your story, I'm telling you, but at least no, it happened uh, this weekend, so I was a bit scared of the ghost. I don't think, yeah, a ghost would go to... I think they've got other things. What? To, like appearing to a small girl going, oh, it's your dad's hand. <laughs> um, Ooh, I'm the ghost of your dad's hand. <laughs> it didn't say anything. <laughs> it didn't have a sock on it, going like that. <laughs> Why would a ghost waste its time bothering you? Yeah, no, it wasn't a ghost. What it was, was just, it? I don't know, my brain just saw a hand. Go on, what's your other one? Oh, I did a gig in Taunton and I went back to the bed and B and B and it was a really weird B and B and it had all like wooden devils everywhere on the stairs and stuff. Anyway So they put me in this one room and I said, Oh I'm really sorry, I don't think I can be in this room and she said, Oh yes, everyone says that. Come on then. So she Like as quickly as that. So she put me into another room, and that was much better. And I sat down, I told Tony Law this story, and he said, That's, you need to talk about that, but um, no one ever laughed. Anyway, so I, <laughs> I sat down on the bed, and right behind me, like literally right behind my head, I heard this. Oh! <laughs> I absolutely, like, it was... I thought, was this ghost at my gig? And now it's like... And it's like, oh, God, I've just listened to you for two hours. And now you've come back to my room. <laughs> and it was so loud, and it was so loud as well. It wasn't just like a, like a distant noise. It yeah. was sort of right behind my head. So I had to put all the lights and the telly on all night and everything. And then in the morning, 
had to walk past all these devil's heads. Devil's That's heads. An odd choice for a bed and breakfast. <laughs> I didn't. Bu- I didn't book. I mean, no, I know for that for the people who run it. Yeah, family run. Yeah, yeah. yeah family run. There were lots of um, other well, unexplained. They're just. It's just. It's just science, isn't it? It's not. I'm not sure it is much. But it was really some... loud, yeah. and it was a man's voice, and it did exactly that, right behind my head. Are you sure? And I wasn't, wasn't thinking about people sighing or grunting, so it's not like I. Wasn't it just someone having sex in the next room in the walls? It was right behind oh. my head. There was no one else in the B and B. She told me, but it was right behind my head. Might have been the actual devil. <laughs> Because if I was the devil, I would live in a bed with loads of carved <laughs> effigies of me. I just, I just imagine that's the kind of guy the devil is. Going around Do you think sighing. So? Yeah, sitting around and then yeah, this, that's me. There's sighing at female comedians. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it's a low. It's a light for the devil. It's a light, a light thing for him to do. Out of all the things he could choose to do. Well, we'll never know. No. We'll never know the no. I'm gonna have to let you go. I'm really sad to say this because I'd like to make you stay forever. Oh, uh, thanks. But, uh, and, uh, yes, what, have you got any um, well, they, they, um, interesting stuff later? Of stuff. <laughs> no, we've got enough. They've got, we've got, that's, they've got, got the mugging there. and the, um, the ghost thing. We've got lots of good stuff. We've got, you know, it's a really good book. They should buy the book. Thanks, Rich. It's really, sometimes, you know, I've had guests that have written a book and I read the first pet chapter and it's rubbish. Have you, who I'm, was that? <laughs> no, I'm, we should now go 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 <laughs> episodes. No, that was hard work. Uh, not really. Oh, you pluralise penis as penis. Yeah, because the um, the um, copy editor is yeah. the woman who goes through the book. Yeah, and she said, um, "This is not. It's penises normally. Yeah, She's so correct. a lot of people won't know She's what correct. that is." I'm an expert on the penis. Yeah, no, but I prefer... Penis. Yeah. Okay. Just looks like I'm a pastor. Just looks funnier. Looks like a pastor. Why can't I use a word that's not used very often? And also, you use the word ass instead of arse, which I'm... They wanted to change that That is the most offensive thing I've ever seen. No, they wanted to change it. They said it's not... uh, There's a lot of things in the book, actually, that are like that. Yeah. They're like, it's arse. It's not arse. Well, it might be for you. Who are you? I'm the, I'm the world's expert on penises, and that sometimes incorporates um, asses. No. See, I don't like. I think ass yeah. is a much funnier word to say in a Gloucester accent than arse. Arse is like. The say them both in a Gloucester uh, no, accent. Like the say word. them both. Say them both, and we'll see which gets the bigger laugh. And then that will be right. this, this decision. Don't okay. make one funnier than the other one. <laughs> What is funnier? Yeah. Came out of an unhelpful man's ass. Not that funny. No, because you've there. Because <laughs> they're your lot, right? And they'll do whatever they you won't. say. They don't like me. They're, they they're don't like your... me. They come. They don't like me. They want. No, to, they want to see me defeated. No, no. They hate me. They won't no, ever tell their friends they're, they're about my lot. stuff. <laughs> they just want to come and enjoy it for themselves, and they won't come see any of my all my shows I'm doing. And I'll be sitting there, they'll be like, the same ones always sitting there going, yep, just us again. <laughs> just us, 50 people. We're going to keep you going, so you have to keep doing comedy. You're earning enough money to keep going, but you will never be successful. <laughs> and you'll have to keep doing this till you die. That's what that's... Wow, look at all the... 
products you've got. <laughs> Merchandise. I oh, know, it's useless. Language, you know, we can do whatever we like. I know with you it, can. You know? I'm just surprised. I would have thought you'd be I doing arse. I hate that word. Oh, I, I really, I can actually really hate it. Okay, so when they, sa- when they said to me, I think you've made a mistake, I was really angry. I was like, what, all the way through the book? <laughs> Apart from that, it's good. Apart but they were the really, really good. The legal report was so... Fun. I wanted to just have a show which was the legal report and they said that they, you can't because it's um, confidential information. So did they make you cut some stuff out? Because oh. it's quite... You get, go, it gets close to the bone. You're quite rude about people. And I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> no. A little bit rude about... Um, Sterling Moss and no, John, I'm in, not. John Inver. I mean, like they deserve it, but John Inver. I don't think I am at all. Okay. Not in any way. I mean, it's a bit rude to be glad that Sterling Moss fell into a lift, even though it's. <laughs> I mean, it's funny, but it's. Well, it's he should have died. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we can't let these people get away with saying that we're. <laughs> It's obviously not. I obviously don't think that, and I make it very clear. I she wish he'd been it. absolutely, completely annihilated by that. <laughs> no. Um, no, I'm not really seriously... I know, but... It's not rude. He sent me an email. He's really pleased that I've said that he... Why didn't you put the email in the book, or is it in later? It, um, it's... Are there some sort of legal thing? Is there? Yeah. But I did print it out for the show and show people. Because he left caps lock on. <laughs> which made the whole thing look like a death threat. <laughs> it did. It was like, I, uh, I will be keeping an eye on... I will be following your career in capital letters. It's like, fucking hell. He's not... Yeah, he's not much of a threat. He can't even get in a lift. Without... <laughs> <laughs> it's very funny. And the John Inverdale thing is brilliant. You've oh, he said the... another thing, didn't he? Yeah. Yeah. What's the, what is the second thing? Because the thing about him accidentally saying cunt in the middle of a sentence that doesn't yes, have cunt in it, it was nowhere line, near. You're seeing it through rose-cunted glasses. <laughs> <laughs> but the, mis- this, the mistake that he made, this was live on, on the radio, the mistake that he made was by immediately apologising. Oh, 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 sorry, I didn't mean rose I mean, I, he should have just... Gone, yes, that's what I said. <laughs> uh, that's what we're calling it now. <laughs> Should have really committed to it. Yes, Rose cunted, yes. <laughs> What's the big deal? <laughs> that's what you should have done. Never apologise for your mistakes. <laughs> well, unless they're really bad ones. <laughs> they if they're really bad, don't bother apologising. If they're really bad, don't apologise. No. Because the apology just looks sarcastic. Yeah. If it's real, if Hitler came and then and he went, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I did all that stuff. You would go, that's not. Sorry is not enough at the end of that. Adolf Hitler. Depend how he said. No, he wouldn't. Though, would he? <laughs> he went. I'm really, I'm really sorry. No, he'd go. Oh, I do apologise. <laughs> Being a really sarcastic with his hand. Anyway, I'm anyway, glad we, we've we, ended you... on Hitler. Yeah. And rose cunted glasses. <clears throat> Never apologise for anything. That's what we've ended on, so I will not apologise for anything I've said. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Oh. Give it up. Bridget Christie! Thank you, thank you. Thank you very much. I'll give you this We'll be back next week. It's 15 minutes.
Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things, starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo, and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. Don't drink the milk. No, this isn't a podcast about milk. If you like historical intrigue, a bit of culture, and a sprinkling of controversy, this one's for you. I'm Rachel Stewart, and I'm traveling around Europe, following the hidden history of everyday things as they're exported through time and around the world, by force, by chance, or by choice. No need to pack your bags. Just subscribe to Don't Drink the Milk wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you very much for listening to my podcasts. Listen to some more. Tell your friends about these podcasts. We're in a very competitive market. It would be lovely to keep those downloads coming in. The more downloads we get, the more money we make and the more podcasts we can make for you. It's a beautiful symbiotic relationship. Come and see me on tour at richardherring.com. But otherwise, just, you know, go outside. Enjoy the spring air. It's beautiful out there. I love you all. Goodbye.